Sometimes a company comes along that just reminds you how average the rest of everything else is. And if you need 14 minutes to explain what a product does, you're not explaining it very well. What I was more interested in was the shifting in strategies. How are you going to make money? Welcome to another episode of the segment show called Whale Informed, where we talk about things and stuff. Ethan, yep. what things and stuff are we talking about this week? All right. So this week, we're going to kick it off by starting to talk about the Taylor Swift Industrial Complex. <laughs> after that, we're going to talk about the Super Bowl, because why not? Um, and then after that, we're going to jump into talking about a browser that browses for you. <laughs> okay. Kind of crazy. And then after that, we're going to go into a rapid fire section where I'm going to quiz John on customer acquisition costs that we're seeing so far this year. We're going to see how much they actually knows about marketing. And then finally, we're going to conclude with the John log where John's going to talk about all things Apple Vision Pro. Let's do it. Good. Taylor Swift. All right. Taylor Swift. So to kick it off, I'm sure a lot of you saw last week at the Grammys, Taylor Swift won album of the year. But when she went up for her thank you speech, she immediately released and announced her next album. Uh, that's a that's a pretty Taylor Swift thing to do. You know what I mean? The normal thing is to be like, hey, this is just a reflection point for me. It's for me to take a victory lap. She's like, F the victory lap. <laughs> I got an album coming out. Totally. With that though, there were some super interesting business sides of it that we saw. Uh -huh. And it was the fact that immediately her album went for sale for like it was pre-order, pre-release sales on her Shopify website. But then when we looked into it more, a bunch of interesting things were happening where actually a few days prior, the site had a crash. There was like an error on her website, I think the day before the Grammys. It said backend fetch failed. And for the audio listeners, I'll just say there's this word and it's just a gibberish where it says like hernery gird or something like that. And then it says DPT three, two, one. And somebody on Twitter basically decoded this after the fact and said, so DPT three, two, one. So three, two, one is counting backwards. Mm -hmm. So that's one, two, three. Mm -hmm. So TPD would be Tortured Poets Department, which is her new album. Correct. Correct. So that's the decoded part there. And then the, that word, Hernjagerd, or whatever it says there, if you, it's an anagram. If you unscramble that, it says red herring. So a lot of people thought that a different album would be coming out. It would be a re-release of, of some of her own stuff. Taylor's version of uh, one of the classic albums. Right. But uh, so I think that the code here is that it's a red, that was a red herring yep. and that it was actually torture poets department. That's what everybody's saying. Taylor does a ton of Easter eggs. She's like a big Easter egg person and, but she'll never confirm them. So this all also could have just been an error on her website. <laughs> I think there's application here though, because uh, I think I I've worked with brands before where it'll be like, let's say it's like an apparel brand. So you sell like sunglasses, apparel accessories, like sunglasses, hats, hoodies, things like that. Uh, do like a sale on, on St. Patrick's day. That's like, Hey, find something green on the website and there's going to be a secret discount mm -hmm. on it when you put it mm -hmm. in your cart. So like a little bit of gamification, I think is, uh, there's some application there for really anybody who's selling totally. anything on a Shopify site. Totally. And we've seen Shopify does that themselves as well, mm -hmm. but going, continuing down the Taylor Swift line, there was another interesting thing that people saw this week was that there's flights from, um, Kansas city to Vegas for the super bowl. And yeah. What, what were the numbers of those so, flights that people saw? Yeah, she got 1989. There's two <laughs> flights from Kansas City to Las Vegas yep. that are flight 1989, which is one of her albums and the year she was born. And then there's flights back on Sunday, 
or like uh, Monday after morning the Super Bowl. after the yeah. Super Bowl that are number 80 flight 87 which is Travis Kelsey's number yeah so American Airlines is getting in on the on the Taylor and Swift I don't think they promoted it or marketed it at all but of course the Swifties found it they're yeah. tweeting all about it it's, it's got good publicity well, let's be honest someone <laughs> at American Airlines tipped off a Swifty somewhere <laughs> And they're just like, you run with this, you know? So good, good campaign on their part. And then the last thing I want to bring up related to this is that a lot of people are worried because the day before Taylor's got a concert in Japan, I believe. Yeah. And so they're worried if she was going to get back in time for the Super Bowl. But I think there was a tweet. I'm just going to read this because it says, because it's hilarious. This is a tweet from the Japanese embassy. It says the embassy of Japan in the United States is aware of recent media reports concerning the steps Taylor Swift will need to take in order to travel from Tokyo after her concert uh, to get to Las Vegas for the Super Bowl. Uh, despite the 23-hour flight and 17-hour time difference, the embassy can confidently speak now to the, say that if she departs Tokyo in the evening after her concert, she should confidently <laughs> arrive at the at Las, in Las Vegas before the Super Bowl begins. This is an official tweet from the official embassy yeah. of japan like they're legit. like hey guys look we couldn't sleep last <laughs> night either we're worried about it too all right everybody's a swifty i think there's a comment on there that says japan is a swifty uh, yeah yeah exactly. they're like look okay yeah we crunched the numbers we double checked them we send them to our numbers guy she's our gonna numbers be guy. there she's gonna be there she sent them to the numbers guy in japan he said it's all good it's all good she's gonna make it so we're happy <laughs> it's gonna be a good super bowl Let's switch gears over to that real quick. Okay. So there was an article in Adweek that came out this week that said last year, a lot of brands were spending a lot of money on different tweet campaigns throughout the Super Bowl. But a lot of that seems like it's shifting this year to different things on TikTok and other small platforms in the weeks leading up to the Super Bowl. So yeah. it's almost like a shift in strategy versus being in the conversation day of to being on a lot of different platforms and doing more of a, I think they're saying like the money ball strategy doing a lot of smaller tactics in the it. weeks leading up to it. Um, what, what are your thoughts on that? Twitter is one of the best places. The artist formerly known as Twitter mm -hmm. is one of the best places to sort of create like hype around an event, right? Um, and so they've always used like Twitter campaigns and Twitter pushes to hype up their Super Bowl ads and things like that. And now, uh, you know, basically the intelligence that is out there says that like Reese's, uh, Budweiser, Doritos, a lot of these that we know will have uh, that have confirmed Super Bowl ad spots have spent nothing on Twitter. Uh, some of them haven't even tweeted in, in a long time. Right. The article kind of just seems like a, you know, Elon Musk attack type of thing. Mm -hmm. Like a mm -hmm. classic, like, oh, Twitter's gone downhill, you know, and then basically this falls down political lines at this point. If you're right. one way, you think Twitter's gone downhill and Elon Musk is rude. And, and if you're another way, then you think it's the greatest thing ever. And, and I think the only was, news you pay attention to is the news that Twitter's amazing. I think it was interesting that the article leaned into that. Um, yeah. Because, yeah, yeah, that might be part of it. But what I was more interested in was the shifting in, in strategies here. I think we saw, we've yeah. seen something similar with Black Friday, Cyber Monday, where it used to be those two days that people did sales on and now it's it's grown mm -hmm. to the holiday season they've expanded they're looking for different strategies and i think part of that is because the real estate on those days is so expensive and so i think that's kind of what we're seeing in terms of the super bowl it's it's another mini yeah. period of those especially for larger brands and people are trying to get creative and spending more um efficient and, efficient and ways there's some that are even like not doing a super bowl spot but are still trying to like capitalize on it. Yeah, yeah. And so one along those lines is is Liquid Death, which has probably been one of the hottest marketing companies um, 
of the year yeah the it's past a, two years it's actually a water company ethan i understand why you think it's a marketing company uh but they sell water uh sell water. in a can in a can for like three bucks and yeah. uh yeah so they had, they had an interesting super bowl campaign yeah i think we should we should pull it up here because last week we actually made a prediction too that it was either you or i that they were going to run an ad for the yep. super bowl so clearly we were wrong with that <laughs> and here's what they're doing instead it's it's an ebay listing john can you explain this is an ebay listing that says uh your ad in national run of liquid death cases so basically instead of buying a super bowl ad you can put your brand on the side of a liquid death case that will go all over the the world the country at least there's a video they they got a hype video they wouldn't be like liquid death if they didn't have a hype video so big old fancy ads for the big game on sunday not big enough and liquid death we are cooking up a bigger fancier better brighter ad than anything in any old football game we so dang crazy we auctioning off the sides of one of our beautiful boxes at ebay right now and it's way better than anything in that old football game those things cost more than six million dollars and they only reach about 110 million people each and every week, more than 200 million people walk through the aisles of our fine retailers. But how's all this work? Your ad's going to go on half a million tiny little billboards across this great nation of ours. So what do you want to advertise? RVs, snake insurance, <laughs> a new cryptocurrency that is totally not a scam. Make your dreams come true and get your ad on the side of a liquid death box. Then starts at just $500. Whoa! Woo. <laughs> classic Fired liquid up. death stuff you know uh so so the that was actually kind of a cheesy like video for them on purpose probably but this idea like this is just another classic like i think i said it last week sometimes a company comes along and has a marketing team and strategy that just reminds you how average the rest of everything else is out there because totally. it's just actually great. Uh, and this is incredible. I mean, I think the bidding's up to like nine, $90,000. It was, was 90,000 last night when we checked. I bet by the time the Super Bowl comes around, it's going to be well over six figures. But like you said, it's yeah. an example of liquid death continues to think outside the box in ways that nobody else is thinking. The, I mean, if it, let's say it went for a hundred thousand dollars, I think it'll go for more, but let's say mm -hmm. it went for a hundred thousand dollars just for fun. Uh, that's actually only 50 cents per thousand impressions. If he's right <laughs> about the 200 million people yeah, yeah. who walk through. So that's actually just like an incredible ad buy for any, you it can't is. get a billboard for that. You can't get out of home. Like you can't do a run of anything for 50 cents for a thousand. Who impressions. do you think's going to buy the ad? What Tri kind of company? Triple well, triple. Yeah. We're going to, we're going to advertise the podcast on there. All right. Whale informed. You heard it, you heard it here first. Whale informed. Let's do it. death. We'll see if we'll see if they can approve that budget. If they approve the budget, I mean, how dope it. would that be? Put Ethan's face on the side of liquid <laughs> death boxes. Exactly. For the next segment, let's shift over. I don't know if you've heard about this company, John, but <laughs> it's a browser company called the Browser Company, and they have a browser that's not called the browser. It's actually called the Arc, and they recently re released the Arc 2.0, or like the second iteration of their company. And they're claiming that it's a browser that browses for you. <laughs> that was the most confusing state. It's a browser company called the browser. The browser company. Yeah, and, but then they have a browser. It's not called the browser. It's called no, the Arc. No, it's called the Arc. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I did see this video. And uh, basically the summary here is it was a 14-minute video to talk about 
their new product arc two or whatever, that is a browser that browses for you. And at the end of the 14 minutes, I still didn't fully get it. I'm just saying, if you need 14 minutes to explain what a product does, like maybe you're not explaining it very well yet somehow. Did you watch the whole video? I watched the whole video (laughs) and the video has like millions of views. It has a lot of views. I think that this is just the liquid death of tech. Like they don't really have a great product, but they're just a good marketing company. Totally, totally. They're in their video too. We'll uh, link it in the show notes. It does a great job of storytelling the brand. So I do th- give them a lot of credit there. Yeah. And the Arc browser as a product, we we were looking into it, and it's interesting because you can search into the product and you click the button that says, I think it's browse for me. And what it essentially does is, is it pulls, it browses through six to eight to ten websites, pulls them all together, and summarizes the results in a temporary web page. Yeah. And so it essentially skips that process of having to look through results in the search results page and then go to a website that has a bunch of ad. It brings the information straight to you. But we, so if, yeah, yeah, we went we went down the rabbit hole a little bit on this. We did, we did. And well, by a little bit, I mean we went we got way the hell down the rabbit hole. We finished a whole box of pizza yeah. while watching this video, while and then doing testing the browser and testing the browser. <laughs> um, <laughs> And like, so, so the repercussion for like a physical product brand would be like, let's say I wanted to buy a black hoodie or I wanted to buy an all black outfit cause I'm Ethan and uh, I only wear black. So if I want to bl- buy, you know, black t-shirts from true classic tees, uh, you could just search for like best black t-shirts for men or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's gonna, it's gonna do all the work of like, you would land on this Google page and then you'd have to decide what to click. It's going to aggregate and bring in all that data together. And it's just going to give you one clean page. It's going to summarize. Yeah. Here's the brands. Here's the positive and negatives, pros and cons, et cetera. So it's going to try and use AI to sort of just deliver you a personalized experience there, which is cool, but it's not actually that innovative. Bing chat has already been doing this. Uh, The only, I mean, Bing is obviously search engine as well. So Bing chat's main problem is just nobody wants to use Bing. Um, and then Google has also been trying to give AI results, uh, on their searches lately, but it it is a cool idea. It seems like they're leading in this category. Totally. And and they are playing into, it's definitely a David versus Goliath battle, um, them versus Google and being in a lot of these other companies, but they're playing into that, which, which we respect. So we'll see how it plays out, Yeah, but definitely great marketing around the product. Right. Their YouTube channels got some pretty good videos on it. Yeah. And a lot of views. Um, I think there's a little, maybe could be something fishy about the YouTube channel. I think the main thing that we came across and we kind of said like, okay, they're basically criticizing the ad revenue model Mm -hmm. where Google makes money on ads when you search. And then when you open one of these websites, you see all these display ads and it just creates this bad user experience. And you don't want to scroll through that website with all those ads on it. And that was the main thing they were criticizing. And the main question I had as I was watching the video is like, well, how are you going to make money? Because it right. doesn't seem like they're making any right now. No, it doesn't seem like it. And I thought when I downloaded the product that it might be like, I, I pay for the product or I pay for the premium version. It doesn't seem like that's the case at yeah. all right now. They're really not trying to generate revenue yet that we know of. And when we did a, when we dug a little bit deeper, we saw that it might be a B2B play in the long term, maybe like Notion, where it's free for the small consumer, but like more enterprises pay for it. But it's not, it's yeah. really not clear yet. I mean, I think their play here is to just get acquired by Google. Like, can we beat Google to this, this tech, right? Or this kind of like searchability. And then can we just get acquired by them? And, uh, and that's the move. All right. So remember that prediction, if they get acquired and when John predicted the future right there, you heard it here first, you heard it here first. All right. For the next section, I want to quiz you on some data stuff. You down for that? I'm down for it. All right. So what we're going to do is 
I have some data pool here on the side for cost to acquire customers um, so far this year. So literally from January 1st to yesterday. Okay. And this is looking at triple whale data. So over so 11,000 how, brands. How much somebody pays in advertising to get a new customer? To get a new customer. Okay. Correct. correct. And you're going to do this by what? By industry. We're going to break it down. All right. All right. Let's so for it. the first one, you're going to guess the, the customer acquisition cost essentially. And then from there, we're going to do like an over under game is the next industry more or less. Okay. So for the first industry for clothing, what do you think the cost to acquire a customer? How is? much does a clothing brand spend to acquire a new customer? Yes. You didn't filter this data to like brand size or anything like that? No filters at all. It's okay. across all our brands. Uh, let me just start in like a nice, clean, safe space. <laughs> nice and safe. You know, all nobody's right. going to, no, no conf controversy here. Uh, I'm just going to say 50. On average, it, it costs an, a clothing brand $50 to get a new customer to try their stuff. Okay. So for this year, it's actually way less than that. It's Dang. $17. 17? 17. 17. So That's pretty good. And year. I mean, yeah, I mean, most clothing brands that are at least selling online, they're, you know, they're Clo selling. And clothing is one of the, this is a little bit behind the scenes. Clothing is one of the more efficient industries in terms of how much they can acquire a new customer Thanks for, for the hint. Yeah. versus the AOV. So there's a little bit of a hint there. Yeah. But the next one is fashion and accessories. Do you think that's higher or lower than clothing? I think I was already looping them in with clothing in my mind. And that was, was, was bringing me up to 50. So I'm going to go with higher. So it is higher, but it's actually only about a dollar higher. Oh, it's, it's nice. around 18. So it's very similar so far this year. Okay. All right. So after that, health and beauty. You know, okay, let me just, I'm, I'm going to talk, I'm going to think out loud here as I'm thinking through this. It costs $18 in fashion. I think one of the main advantages fashion has is that it's like very algorithmic on the platform. So like TikTok and, uh, mm -hmm. and like Meta, Instagram, and Google can basically take all of your products and sort of match them to people who are looking for that product. Right. Whereas in right. health and beauty, you kind of have to like sell it a little right. bit more. Correct. Uh, so I'm going to say it's higher in health and beauty. It is higher and it's, it's a decent amount higher. So it's around $27. And one thing that I thought of as you were saying that was fashion accessories and clothing, they have lower AOVs and those can be more impulse purchases. I think it com when it comes to a lot of our health and beauty products, which are a lot of cosmetics and things like that, it's a more thoughtful decision. There's also a lot of competition in this space. So because of that, there's a lot more consideration yeah. that goes into that purchase. The customer acquisition cost is a little bit higher. All right. So what do you think baby is at? <sighs> baby, is it higher or lower than $27? All right. I have kids. I'm going to say, I'm thinking out loud here, health and beauty. Again, you have to convince people a little bit more. So this is a little bit tricky because baby and clothing could have crossover and there are certain brands that could be considering calling themselves baby when they sell baby clothing. Right. Or they could be selling, calling themselves clothing. Right. Um, so I think that advantage of like, you know, Google and Facebook and, and TikTok being able to match your customers with your product exists in baby clothing, but other things like, you know, like strollers, cribs, there's some really high ticket stuff in baby and also people aren't as open to try something new in baby. Like people really stick with what, at this point I have a, a young, like I have a third kid and we don't buy anything new from any brands. Like we just know what we like already. Yeah. So yeah. 
I'm going to say that the cost to uh, the it, it costs more for a baby brand to acquire a new customer than it does for a health or beauty brand to acquire a new customer. So it actually costs less, which you were you were on the right track when you started by comparing it to clothing. Yeah, um, it, because it, it's very some clothing similar to the brands. cost for clothing, and yeah. I think part of the reason that it might cost less too is because it's there's a lot of passion behind that purchase. Like the, yep. the customer is in a big spending phase during that period. So they're willing to spend more, but baby. And I think part of it too is like this year we saw that baby was one of the industries that grew the most in terms of new customers per yep. store. I think it was like a 60 or 70% growth year over year. So part of it's that that industry is kind of going through a huge growth phase. There's right a lot now. of babies from 2020. Yeah. Yes. Um, yes. It, I, I mean, also the other thing about baby that is incredible is I've never seen the, the stickiest customers I've seen are in baby. So in terms of like, once they try a new brand, if they like it, mm -hmm. they'll buy a bunch of stuff from it, especially baby clothing brands. Cause you mm -hmm. have to buy a lot of baby clothing. Then they grow out of it. You got to buy a lot more. Um, so th that's like one of the best industries to be in for like long-term customer totally. value, lifetime totally. customer value. All right. Last one, food and beverage real quick, higher or lower. I'm going to go with my gut here. I think food and beverage is really hard to advertise. Uh, the platforms can't help you match it to the users. And it's hard to hard to tell somebody how something is going to taste. Mm -hmm. uh, and if it does something for them, like makes them healthier or something like that, then it, it's kind of in the supplement category and you really got to sell it. So I'd put it more next to supplements. But even if it's not that, it's just like hard to communicate how something's going to taste through a screen. So I think it's harder to advertise. I think food and beverage companies have to spend more in advertising to acquire, to get a new customer than baby companies do. Yep, you're right. Their, their cost to acquire customers closer to $30. And I think a big part of that as well is that it's a consumable product. Yeah. People are buying it a lot. And so you might acquire someone once, but then after that, if they're not totally loyal yet, you're still competing with a lot of different brands yep. for that next they, purchase. They put it in their mouth. Right. And if it's right. not, and if it's not good, they spit it out. Right. And just maybe and they don't, maybe <laughs> not literally, but figuratively, figuratively, you know, they just don't buy from you again. Totally. And like the lifetime value of that customer is a lot higher. And so it I think be. they're yeah. willing to spend more to acquire that first customer, knowing that over time, if they become loyal, there's a lot of opportunity there. They also kind of have to charge a lot for their products because it's expensive to ship them. Right. It costs more in advertising to get a new customer when they're buying a $80 12 pack of something. Totally, yeah. totally. All right, last section, the Jonalog. So a few weeks ago, you posted a few different things about the Apple Vision Pro and you got input from a lot of different people. Since we recorded our last episode, the Apple Vision Pro went live. It's kind of going viral, it's everywhere but I just wanted you to, to kind of jump in and talk about what you've seen there, what you've heard from some of those comments and what are yeah. the your big things that you're feeling around the Apple Vision Pro? I got a ton of comments, uh, mainly because I uh, bribed people to comment. I said, <laughs> I'll give, I'm giving away an Apple Vision Pro to people who are you know essentially making comment about what level of adoption that they would have. And I've, I've found it's basically four schools of thought. Um, school of thought one is we're basically worried about where things are going, right? So there's a movie and book called Ready Player One, where it's based in Columbus, Ohio, where Triple Whale is. Shout out to Columbus. Yeah. Shout out to Triple Whale. The, there's this movie and book where basically like in the real world, like in the actual like physical space, mm -hmm. uh, people don't do anything other than like basically eat and sleep anymore. They spend all their time in this video game world called Oasis. Uh, it's like a virtual reality environment. 
uh, and that's, you know, school of thought one is people are like, I don't know, seem worried about this. Uh, you know, what if in two generations, people don't know the difference between an in-person interaction and a a virtual one, uh, school of thought two is some version of just like full send. Like, uh, either they're like, I, yeah, I hate people. I love video games. I'm on board. Like just, I'm in on this don't i don't want to ever talk to somebody i don't want to talk to again uh or they just think this is where the world's going you have to adopt the technology right but either way they're just like it's a foregone conclusion and i'm in and then there's school thought number three that is sort of this like middle road where they're like oh yeah i would do it would be fun you know for remote work and it would be cool to go to like a football game or a concert but i'd still want to hang out with friends sometimes and like go to some concerts in real life but just go to some on this and stuff like that right so that's Mm -hmm. school of thought three and then school of thought number four that is more of an emerging school of thought is that it's just this thing is goofy as hell uh, I'm not putting that on my face. Uh, and that was, I, I posted my stuff two weeks ago before they really hit the market. Right. And, uh, and people were like giving me more serious comments. And then as more of these videos hit the market of people just doing stupid crap in them, uh, more people are like, no, I'm out on this. Don't even send it. Remember when I commented before, cause I wanted to win this. I don't even want it anymore. Like really, disregard really. my previous comment. So that's like school of thought. Number four, what have, have you, what's been your yeah, favorite? I love the memes and I think it's crazy how many memes have come out so fast. But one of my favorites is the dude hops out of a cyber truck, slams the door with both hands. And I'm pretty sure the Cyberduck Cybertruck door closes on its own, but he slams the door with both hands, gets out, and he's like, and he's just power moving across the street at 15 miles an hour. It's he's he's very confident in his movements. It's crazy, but it's funny. Like all these memes, everyone's wearing similar clothes. They're wearing. Do you think that it's an Apple plate? Like, do you think this is their? I don't think it. If it is, it's so good that everybody is like yeah that could be an apple plant but they would never do that like it's almost too good apple's so clean and branded that like there's no way they came up with this unless they just hired some like chad marketing consultant (laughs) it's like bro why don't you just give it to a bunch of douchebags right watch the videos go on the internet and that's what it looks like it's so funny um (laughs) yeah so so those are those are sort of the four schools of thoughts on this uh here's my take uh, first of all, the concert virtually, if you could put on an Apple vision pro, go to a concert and it was like good, then the demand for in-person concerts would go down so much right. that you'd basically see Taylor Swift doing, you know, in the U S she'd do New York and LA and takes would be like three to $5,000. That's a great point. If the virtual experience is better than the current or even version as of good the as. experience or as good as then you're, we're going to start to see a huge yep. shift in those areas. So if you really think that like, oh, I do some stuff virtually, some in person, it's like, well, if the, if it's good enough virtually, then you won't actually even be able to do the in person right. stuff anymore because you won't like there, those businesses won't exist. There won't be enough demand so for true. them. So. The school of thought that says like, I'm a little worried about this. I also am, uh, you know, I don't know, maybe I'm just the old man saying like, get off my lawn here. But I think that there's like a very, like, like a vibration to, and I don't mean to be like a woo woo guy here, Mm -hmm. but like, I think there's something to like meeting face to face, you know, shaking hands, belly to belly, you know, as they say. Totally. And, uh, and there's like a vibration that other humans put out that is the, the virtual interactions, no matter what, to me, I think would always have a smell to them. And maybe the technology would get incredibly good, but I think that, uh, you know, a generation or two later, like maybe my kids would lose the ability to smell that smell. I hear you. And right now we are talking about 
there's definitely a smell to it. They've shown the videos where it's like you could FaceTime someone and see their face, but it clearly looks off yeah. and not accurate. And and we were relating this to AI as well. It's like yeah. when you use AI and ChatGPT right now, it's getting better and better, but there's a lot of instances still where it has a little bit of that smell or something feels even, off to it. And I think that's limited the mass adoption. Of yeah, it. even even the stuff that's really great, there still has that like smell, right? Mm -hmm. um, so I'm also worried about that. I think that biologically we're not wired for no human to human contact. And I think we learned that during COVID. Totally. And that's what that's what recurring theme in these comments is that was what a lot of people said. Uh, to kind of land on this, I think the biggest application here is for remote work. Um, I think it could be incredible for people who work remotely and it could actually give them more of an in-person experience right. and make them a little less lonely. Uh, it could also improve their workflows and make them more efficient, improve meetings, things like that. So to me, I think maybe the market for this is a little bit more similar to like the iMac than it is to the iPhone. That's a great point. And, and along those lines, I saw a video where somebody had set up their virtual office with the Vision Pro and like without the Vision Pro, it's, it's just a desk and his laptop. But with the Vision Pro, he had like a screen he was talking to his team over here. He had stuff set up all over his wall and the experience of that space completely changed. Yeah. And so like I, I work in Columbus and Triple Whale's office, but a lot of my marketing team is all over the US. And so now, like when you said that just now, I thought about yeah. if I was remote, I have that set up, but I could literally have like each of my team members over here. It brings yeah. them closer and you could, you know, tap into them, ping them, talk to them. It right. helps to like make that experience <clears throat> feel more human. And I think that is where, like, where at least I'm most optimistic about the technology yeah. for it to improve the human experience. I hope that that's areas. essentially what it becomes is just a, a business product the same way. You know, what's the application for an iMac or a really great PC? It's like video editing or, or media production, uh, work and uh, gaming. And my hope is that the Apple Vision Pro essentially has that same uh, application. It's mm -hmm. like, you know, in, it's like a B2B product and a gaming product and the price stays high. But if the price comes down to an accessible point and, and the virtual experience of going to a concert or going to a sporting event or going to something like that becomes just as good as the in-person, then I think it's game over, right? It's game over. It will get mass adoption. People will start to use those virtual experiences more because they're more accessible. Uh, they don't have to travel for them. They'll be cheaper. And uh, then I think we are headed toward like sort of a ready player one type world where there just won't be a lot of in-person opportunities anymore. I think you hit it on the head. There we go. Is that the pod? That's the Johnalogue. That's the Johnalogue. And that's the pod. Episode two is in the books. And uh, we'll see you next week. Yeah. If you need uh, if you're an e-commerce brand that needs a scoreboard, needs to be told, you know, needs to know what to do with your data to grow and to hit your goals, uh, then t check out Triple Whale. You can Google them, Triple Whale, or you can go to triplewhale.com. Awesome. Thank you. Next time.